My God, this came in half an hour ago. Why didn't I... Hello. Put your colonel on. Well, wake him up. I don't care if he's not alone. Damn it all, I don't care who he's with. You bloody well put him on the line. Hello, listening people. Hello. <laughs> it's the first time they've ever replied, the listening people. That's their voice. Hello. <laughs> yeah, they're really dumb, like a martial arts film. Hello, <laughs> it's me, the listening people. And we listen with people. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> if that was in this movie, that would have escalated it to a top tier. Yeah, said Ryan Slewinski. Said Bartek. No last name needed. We all know it. Go ahead, Ryan. You can say it. I don't mind. I give you permission. <laughs> Mr. Bartek Krabby Patties. That's how it's pronounced, right? <laughs> Come on. I'm older than SpongeBob, aren't I? <laughs> It's a 90s show, but it wasn't 93, was it? Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe your mum got inspired. I like the idea that your last name you question <laughs> is older than SpongeBob. Well, my last name for sure, but me. Yeah, you, but you aren't, you aren't your last name. Your last name is just something that carries over. And that something is? Polish. That the last name is? Spitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the other thing in our title, Spitting Polish presents. I said Polish just a second ago, and you're like, no. I'm giving you a concession. No more concessions on this podcast. We are a podcast full fair, that talks full about movies, and movies are here to be talked about by two Polish gentlemen who spit on the poor. Oh, we dear. would never enter a martial arts competition. We don't need that prestige or money, or clout, perhaps. Maybe the opium, that would be a nice little plus. But uh, in all seriousness, to to dial it back a bit, we have our show Pictures Powwow, the original PP, as I like to call it, where we talk about a movie that has come recommended. Bartek recommends a movie one week, then it is me, then it is you, the listening people. Last episode, we had a listening people's recommendation. So if you can work out the maths here, the scientific equations on the board, it all points to it being a Bartek recommendation for this episode. Bartek's looking up, he's darting his eyes, he's he's doing a rain man, Me, he's trying to figure it out. Ryan, listening people. And then, and then, yep, he, yep mm-hmm. got, he got it. He got it. Bartek, you recommended a very iconic <clears throat> foreign film. It's uh, foreign to us, for sure, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Ryan, I think you're, 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 you're de- delve- del- delving a little bit into my, 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 my uh, idiosyncratic, speaking of my idiosyncrasies, um, uh, choosing of films. Yes, yes. In that uh, not only is it that I have my episode every three weeks, but also... I have my own little cycle where one week I will pick a Hollywood, definitely American film, mm. and then a film that's you know, not necessarily foreign, but just not American. Mm. And that this was meant to be my not American pick, because after all, even though I'm not familiar with what Enter the Dragon was... Surely the Warner Brothers logo a- wouldn't open up the film. But based on just what I knew about it, oh, it's like an iconic Hong Kong film, right? <laughs> like, very firmly, this is just a really good Hong Kong film. Uh, and definitely not an American co-production with Hong Kong with an American director. And by Warner Brothers. By Warner Brothers, and with the primary language being English. With American actors. With American actors. Surely not, but... But then when I was looking up, like, huh, why can't I find an original Cantonese version of this film? (laughs) Oh, I guess it's English and Cantonese. I guess it's because they filmed it without any sound and dubbed it over for the English people, so there is technically no original language film of this because they didn't film any of the audio, except for one singular scene. Yeah, with the British guy, right? With Well, 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 that's an interesting figure. I looked that actor up. He died... Right when this came out. Him and Bruce Lee died really around the same time. So the two guys whose voices we actually heard live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he, on his IMDb, doesn't give any trivia, just says he was a famous 
Hong Kong radio personality. Okay. Didn't tell me where he was from, whether he was, I assume he was English, but like it didn't tell me anything further other than that information. He was in this movie and he died uh, before his acting career got to take off into the stratosphere because he was a well-known Hong Kong radio personality and this was the big leap. And then he passed away. It doesn't even really specify uh, too much of how he passed away. Just on IMDb, I didn't do much further digging. I was like, when I was watching this, I was kind of looking at certain actors and and the director and so on and so forth to kind of get a feel of things. Why? Mainly because when I saw that character, the Braithwaite character, I was like, who's this English guy? And then I was like, oh, I don't know. It's just this guy. It's just this guy. He's in one other film as an uncredited background character, like like a... Uh, customer at bank type deal. I think he'd do well at his customer at bank. I I think the film, let me check, uh, Spider-Man 2 (laughs) (laughs) with Sam Raimi. He came back from the dead. He really, really, really wanted to work with Doc Ock. He really, really wanted to work with with Joel McHale. (laughs) Yeah, Joel McHale is the bank guy who grabbed that one coin and then then, uh, uh, they smacked it. Yes, that's Joel McHale. That's Joel McHale. Remember how the Sam Raimi movies have weirdly, before they became big casting people like Octavia Spencer in the first movie as like the as the wrestling person who signs signs him up. Oh yeah, that's I forgot Octavia about that. Spencer, bitch. Right, yeah. Uh, but let's get into Enter the Dragon. Let's get in that dragon. Seventy three. Yes, if I am not mistaken. Last week, yeah. last week I was banking on seventy two, but it was seventy three. You got a lot wrong. You got a lot wrong. Mm. You thought this was not American in nature. Mm. You you thought that Bruce Lee was only in six films total, while according to IMDb, I think he's in more. Well, I thought that was like a big trivia point about Bruce Lee. It's like, oh, he was only in six films. Maybe but six the, kung, like martial arts. Which is, which is you know, I- ironic next to all the Bruce exploitation films that exist out there. So, let's, people, if you've not seen Enter the Dragon before, we're going to discuss it in details. Yeah, and if, uh, you, if you haven't seen it before, you've probably seen something inspired by it. I would say so. Mm. We're talking about Enter the Dragon, not Enter the Fat Dragon from 2020. Just FYI. That I haven't exists. heard of it. Any that good? Exists. Oh, I didn't watch it. I watched Enter the Dragon. Okay, well, I know your pick for next week. My is. history with this film is not too complicated. I know of its legacy, its reputation, the iconography, the visuals, Bruce Lee. It is not a Bruce Lee film I had seen before. I had seen uh, the one with Chuck Norris, which was... Way of the Dragon. Way of the Dragon. And then the one we watched at university, which was... Fists of Fury. Fists of Fury. So those were the two I had seen. Yeah, that's like movie two, movie three. This is movie four of Mm. the six that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. Apparently there's more. (laughs) And so that is my uh, overall deal with this. You recommended it. I nodded going, hey, you know what? I'm up for that. I, I, I'm not objecting to kung fu movies. If I can kind of go into my background, I'm not huge into these kind of uh, Hong Kong action movies or your martial arts or kung fu movies. I've seen some. I've mainly seen satires of them with yeah. stuff like Black Dynamite. I've seen some, you know, black exploitation, like Kung Fu, like you said, like there's lots of movies inspired, lots of genres inspired by this, but I haven't really sat down and watched too many of these actual ones. Like on this podcast, the closest we've ever gotten is doing Kung Pao and the film that Kung Pao was based on. Yeah, we've done Kung Pao, we've done Tiger and Crane Fist, we did Rumble in the Bronx. Which... Oh, and you're right, and, and Story of Ricky. And Story of Ricky, yeah. You're right, you're right. We've actually done a good amount of to be them. honest when i was going to list our history i actually kind of forgot about kung pao and tiger and crane fist to be how honest could, how could you know what i couldn't forget about it when watching this movie because there were certain moments with a bad guy i was just really wanting to say mm. <laughs> well with me it, with me to to get into my history um i obviously also know of this film's legacy and just always known this title um, then over the years, you know, learning a bit more about, you know, what the plot is and how oh, a lot of other things have kind of taken this idea of martial arts tournament on a person's island and the yes. person in charge is kind of like a villain kind of thing. There's like a ping pong movie that does that. Oh, really? Yeah, with Christopher Walken as the bad guy. <laughs> and he's still like an Asian guy, but he's just Christopher Walken and like with the big hair and the robe right. and whatever. Right, okay. Well, I know what your pick for next week is. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, a big one for me would be that in the film Kentucky Fried Movie, which is a kind of anthology film with all these, you know, ads going on the whole way through. It's just like an ad film. The longest segment by far is uh, Fistful of Yen, which is also a parody of martial arts films. But having watched this now, that was really just like a parody of this film. Like it's so many visuals with the same, like the, the... underground like lair area the sneaking around the the film begins with a fight going to the island the villain being this kind of evil guy in charge it was like it almost felt like i'd seen this film before simply because i've seen that fistful of yen segment a few times yeah um and yeah oh martial arts films we haven't done too many of them on the podcast uh they are very very different uh beasts to talk about because they're simple Simple, effective. Yeah. We, we've done a couple of films in the past, mainly ones from, you know, the 50s or 40s, um, even on other people's podcasts, where we, when we talk about the ending, we say, like, oh, th- this film just ends, like when mm-hmm. we did uh, Walter Mitty with The Contrarians. Martial arts films are, are a lot like that because the climax is really where the film wants to be done. Yeah. Like, the fin- like in The Big Boss, uh, Bruce Lee's first film that I know of, maybe there was something else. Um, as soon as he is done with his revenge, like he looks to the side, the cops are clearly coming, you get a big, very long shot and then credits appear. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no repercussions after that, as far as we're aware, we've seen the final fight film's done. Yeah. And this one, you know, we get a little bit of a, you know, thumbs up moment, but then we get the credits and it's like, oh, there we go. Martial arts ending. Um, so yeah, there are different conventions at play here, different things to talk about compared to mm. even, you know, Harley Davidson or anything else we've done. One of the things that I really liked about this was that I've had problems with other uh, films of this variety, whether it was Story of Ricky, whether it was Rumble in the Bronx, where those are those two are far more comedic in tone, so they kind of yeah. have an excuse to get away with this. But in some kung fu movies, they exist in a world where everybody can just fight. Just everyone knows how to fight. Well, what I liked about Enter the Dragon is they manufactured a reason in the story why he's in an environment where everybody can fight, rather than just everyone in the universe knows how to you know block people and kick and... <laughs> flip and everything like that they they really went out of their way to have it in this isolated island full of fighters and i thought that was a a nice change of pace for me when it comes to this because sometimes it's like even in say rumble in the bronx it's like here's here's an american gang yet they still all know how to do fight jackie chan and do all that yeah, you it's know what like it's fun but it, like that's a part of the fun that's why like samurai cop is really funny because it's like in a world where everybody practically knows how to do samurai cop moves where they like swing swords and run around mm. and do kung fu but yeah. they shouldn't know how to do I, that I don't, they're just normal gangsters yeah i don't remember as much with fists of fury but the other two bruce lee films i've seen both actually kind of do that pretty well like the first mm. film is, you know, he moves to an island where he's got his extended relatives mm. and most of his family and the villagers, they're like, you know, they're not fighters or anything like that. They're being oppressed by the villain who does mm. have, you know, fighters employed for him. And Way of the Dragon has a similar thing where uh, not only does the film begin with like 10 minutes of airport hijinks where like he's mm. eating food and a British lady's like, oh my word. She, <laughs> she doesn't know martial arts, I don't think. Um, but he goes to like... He, I think also extended family running a restaurant in Rome and, you know, they're being oppressed as well. Um, So, yeah, maybe there's just something about Bruce Lee films where... Well, a good one will figure out a way to do it. Like Kung Fu Hustle found out a way where it's like certain people knew how to fight and certain people were just people and they would try. And or they have a convention with like this whole apartment block is just filled with people who know how to fight. <laughs> and again, com- comedic ones can get away with it easier because it's like, oh, well, it's silly. If it's funny, yeah, do it. Funny is funny. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the 70s filmmaking aesthetics and atmosphere of this. Oh, yeah. Not just of that, but also of the, uh, you know, these type of fighting films, the music, the hairstyles, the overall costuming, color palette, the font choices, the sound effects. 
I thought all of this went so smoothly down and I wasn't enjoying it in that kind of like, oh, how ironic and funny and silly. I think I mentioned a a little while back how there were certain camera movements and choices made in films where it's like you use them now and they're kind of funny. Like when you use a snap zoom, uh, most of the time it has a little bit of an inherent giggle because it's like this isn't something we use all the time anymore. Yeah. Like when Tarantino does it in Django Unchained, it's kind of funny when he does it. But like in films like this, they used it with no sense of humor behind it. This was like... Uh, you know, and a well-used filmmaking technique, and I and, I, and th- this has a lot of that where it's like these work because they worked, but at some point we overuse them, and other films, lower budget ones, crappier ones, sillier ones, just use them as a crutch or an extension where it kind of became old hat in a in a way. And I was just really enjoying the filmmaking of this where. Uh, I was actually quite surprised, like, in my brain, I was expecting a lot more of the camera to stay back and still and just show us the fighting. But actually, there was a lot of, like, close-to-them camera uh, positions where it's, like, really tight in which... I was a bit surprised by that because a part of the Bruce Lee, uh, uh, I guess, mythos, because he's he's kind of, you know, he's ascended to this figure where he's he's like, it's kind of even hard to think of Bruce Lee as like a person. Yeah, he's he's legendary. He's a legend. Like his trivia just says, like, considered the greatest martial artist of the 20th century. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, that's what I assume too. Like, that's Mm. how everyone talks about it. But, um, I was thinking about how usually you come to these type of movies where it's your Jackie Chans or your Bruce Lees or so on and so forth to see them basically fight in front of you, to see this beautiful choreography and just look at it in awe from these wide shots to know that they're actually doing it for real. And you know he's doing it for real, but what I was surprised at is just how tight in the shots were. And how, you know, that was a bit more of a surprise yeah, to me a with lot this of, one. a lot of the the really standout moments were like, I'd say mid shots, like the nunchuck scene, you know, that mm-hmm. was waist up. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had that kind of surprise, especially with the first scene, which the film opens on, you know, mm-hmm. a fight that's about to happen. And there were a lot of, you know, not even mid shots, like even closer up shots mm-hmm. where they were doing things. I was like, Oh, okay. I thought we were going to see some bit more full body. Like I remember that a bit more with rumble in the Bronx where mm-hmm. I guess there were a lot more environmental things going on there, like the bar scene, using all this stuff. Like or his the, toilet. The toilet, yeah. <laughs> um, and this film did have that as well, you know, with like weapons and things like that. But yeah, you're right. There were a lot more uh, shots where you don't even see the legs. Yeah, it was it was a very uh, claustrophobic film because you actually felt the isolation of them being on this island and them only being allowed in certain areas. Mm. I thought that that stuff's great because a little part of me was walking in with a level of already predetermined disengagement from the idea that this was just going to be a, you know, a fighting film. Like I'm going to be here for the fighting and that's good, but I, you know, like, uh, you know, I was being a bit down. No, like, I didn't mean to be down, but that was just my no, I, I know, I know what you're saying. Like, when I was saying earlier how this is a different type of film and we haven't really done that much of it on the podcast, so we're going to be talking about it in a different way, so our expectations are going to be different, the things mm. that we f- think we're going to be focusing on will be different. Yeah. I even walked into it, you know, thinking that and... I knew this was a martial arts film, so there might be a bit more of a challenge to it. Yeah, and although still the story is super simple, and it's usually just there's a thread and or framework for the fights to hang off of, uh, it still was very effective in what it did. I was also taken with how this had an ensemble of characters that we were following, not just... Bruce Lee the entire movie there are whole stretches where we're following these two or three other people yeah and I enjoyed those characters very very much so those performers were really great I, I knew some of them already from previous things like uh, Mr. Roper uh, the John Saxton uh, Saxton he, I've seen him and stuff like he's in the 
Freddy movies. Uh, right. So, and in one of them, Freddy's, uh, was it Freddy's Nightmare, New Nightmare, whatever, the one where it gets all meta, he plays himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> he, he's an interesting figure. So, I knew him and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 I'm in. So, that was a nice little detailing surprise of like, this is going to have all these other characters we're going to follow and they're going to maybe team up with Bruce, which is partly what happens at the end. Like, the one mm. that survives gets to team up with Bruce, but they never actually talk to each other about teaming up. They just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I enjoyed that. And uh, I was also like, uh, really taken by the action in a way that I wasn't expecting when uh, there was that scene at the beginning where we get the flashback to his sister. Mm. I, if that's his sister, right? Yeah. It was his sister. Yeah. And how she died. And I was rolling my eyes. Cause you have the guy protecting her and he cuts that guy in the face. That's how the, that bad guy gets the scar. And he's like, run, run for your life. And then she just kind of stands there being an idiot i've seen that so many times in movies and then she runs and she falls over and she's running in that way where it's like i can't decide where to go but then as soon as the guys get close to her she kicks the ass i was like yes this is what i want if she wasn't so outnumbered like she could have survived the whole thing survived it and should could have done very well but i uh that locked me in with the movie that action scene is one of my favorites in this film I was not saying it's the best but it was one of my favorites because it just won me over Mm. because I was expecting one thing and then I got another it was an interesting chase scene too because we got to see you know the environment and Mm. I didn't read too much of the trivia just mostly because I was running out of time had to leave to come here but um one that I did see was that apparently Bruce Lee wanted to get across I think the phrasing was some sort of like aesthetic cultural beauty of China in Mm. this film Mm -hmm. Um, and we kind of got that with that scene where it was a chase scene through this, you know, I don't know if it was set in China or in Hong Kong, but mm. like this this village area. And it's like, yeah. okay, we don't see too many of locations like these in a lot of the films that we do watch. So when we do a martial arts film, it's nice that we actually, you know, feel like we're watching something mm-hmm. that feels Chinese or Hong Kong. I also had a giggle, a giggle in this fight scene because it has one of my favorite dumb things in movies and shows. It always gets a laugh out of me, which is... She kicks one guy into a little creek or river, and he immediately goes stiff. Like, as soon as he hits the water, he just goes, like, limp. And it's like, oh, no, the water knocked him out. It's always amusing to me in V-Games, movies, shows, when it's like, oh, no, I touched water. You knocked knocked into insta-kill zone. Yeah, I I got knocked into insta-kill or paralyzed zone. That happens later on in the the nunchuck scene as well. Yeah, yeah. I I just always find that really funny. Just amusing. Well, well, the nunchuck scene, if we're thinking of the same bit, when he knocks a guy into like the scary water, though, where they yeah, killed true. the other guy. So it's like, that's scary water. They've established that as like other type of water. But this guy, he just got knocked into a little creek and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm gone. It was a Spyro 1 creek. You're going to drown. I'll, I'll give him fairness. He did start to move and get out and go back to the chase. He didn't like die. <laughs> <laughs> like how they usually do in these movies. Is that something you ever notice in films and TV shows when there are fight scenes like that and they knock somebody into some water and it's like, oh, they're, they're down for the count now. <laughs> I guess maybe some. Like I, for some reason I'm thinking of Surf Ninjas, like the <laughs> restaurant fight scene where you could see like people not getting hit and getting knocked out or mm-hmm. some of them like getting knocked out but then getting up to run out of frame. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so... We were both pretty unfamiliar with what we were getting into. So tell me a bit about your experience when uh, this all started to unfold, like what you thought of the overall story, atmosphere, presentation. Uh, Well, since the thing that I was mainly familiar about, you know, through pop culture osmosis was the whole idea of, you know, going on a boat to an island to engage in a tournament, I was actually quite surprised that it takes until like, one third to halfway into the film to actually get there. Mm. Like, there was a lot of setting up going on. You know, they were actually establishing who our villain was, how mm. he was, you know, an ex-student who, you know, turned to sort of evil kind of thing. Establishing his henchmen. Yeah, establishing his henchmen, establishing the criminal empire that he's built up. So it's not just a, we need to beat this guy just because. Uh-huh. It was, uh, there was actual real stakes to it. Establishing you know? the other people going to the fights. Yeah, establishing other people. And like you said, with aesthetics there, like they... They were great and they looked great, especially Williams, the the black guy, <laughs> the 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 jig as the film calls him. <laughs> Who was that? 
I'm sure that was, that's, that's, yes, that was the statement made. Yeah, he, his afro, just how neat it looked, the way he dressed, the way, yeah, just. Well, he, he he knew how good looking he was, he told yeah, us. Yeah, he, he captured the eyes. Yes, yes, he did, yes, he did. What about the quote-unquote New Zealand man that they had? The one that Bruce let into the boat and then <laughs> let him go? He they said he was from New Zealand. Fighting was, without fighting? He's from Queensland in Australia. Oh, there you go. I, as soon as I saw, saw, heard he was from New Zealand, I had to look that up. I was like, is he? This was before he even spoke. The asshole guy? I was like, I have to look this up. That's why I started looking up actors. And I was like, oh, he's from Queensland. Mm. And then a part of me is like, well, I'm sure they'll make a reason for why they said New Zealand in the movie. And then there was no reason, and he never sounded New Zealand. He sounded Australian. So there's a part of me that's just like, in the script they wrote New Zealand, and they couldn't find anyone, so they got an Australian and said, good enough. Well, you know the reason why we never got too much more of them after that? Well. The ocean is dangerous water. It is dangerous water. <laughs> yeah, and he got splashed with it. He got splashed with it, and then his body went limp. <laughs> and then he never could get up until that fight later. Mm. He got his ass kicked. So there you go. Um, but you were saying you you were you were familiar with the idea that the boat going to the island. I didn't realize that this, that was this movie in particular. Like I I when it was giving me that premise, I was like, oh yes, I know, I know this premise. I've seen it before in other things. I didn't realize that this was the movie. In yeah, particular it took it me spawned from. It took me a very long time to realize, like, oh, that's like specifically this Enter the Dragon film. Okay, um, I think even when we. When we were, when we, uh, I guess we can call it, guested on that that Sin Radio thing a few years ago, mm-hmm. and they told us, "Oh, we, there was a Mortal Kombat film announced. We'll talk about that." Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't end up talking about it, but I was going to mention, like, "Oh yeah, apparently it's like an Enter the Dragony kind of story because mm. the first Mortal Kombat, I think, it basically does have that setup of going to an island to fight the villain or something like yeah. that." Um, so ev- eventually, at some point in my life, I realized, "Oh, it, it mostly points to this Enter the Dragon film." Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the big reasons why I wanted to watch it was, well, let's see that origin of, of this idea, just see, mm. you know, how that was done. Um, and there was a sense, you know, watching it that like, okay, this, this is so familiar that it almost feels like I have seen it before, mm. not just because of, uh, Fistful of Yen being an almost direct copy of it, but just parody comedic wise. Mm. Um, but yeah, just so many things have used this idea to where it was believable that this is what it was from. Yeah, I agree with you on that sentiment and exactly. Mm. I uh I loved those secondary characters, whether they were the henchmen or the other people in the fight or the the madam that had all of her girls and I I thought they the the film littered itself with very fun side pieces to this because Bruce Lee is 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 very very like the the camera knew how to capture that guy like he is a screen presence. Mm. Uh but they don't just rely on that alone. They don't just rely on this being a movie where Bruce Lee takes his shirt off and shows off how fucking jacked he is. There's there's more to it than that. There's there's com- comedy here. There's intrigue, there's suspense, there's there's uh uh character dynamics like the 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 two guys cheated like um betting on fights and there's that other guy the little Asian guy with the little mustache and just that, all that back and forth made the film setting feel alive mm, the and praying feel mantis more fight. real yeah the praying mantis fight that's actually a great example too mm. and uh, or the quote unquote New Zealand guy getting tricked into going in the boat and then off he goes and then they he hands the Bruce yeah. hands the rope to the ship hands and the little kid and all that and they're like no you can play with them yeah and all of that was a lot more fun than what i was expecting which is a movie where bruce gets on a boat goes to the island and he shows off he's the best yeah because the movie starts with him being the best yeah but even then like we were talking about it literally before we came here to record like in your living room uh, we were comparing it to like Schwarzenegger or the idea of like the Hollywood action star, especially from like the eighties where they were a lot more buff and cool and thing like that. Mm. Um, and then I pointed out, well, at the beginning of the film, we did have like shirtless Bruce Lee, like 
being there on on camera and there was this real sense of like oh this guy's actually a lot smaller than i think of the legend mm. and he's not as bulky as i would think of like the strong fighting guy mm. like he had muscles but he it was very clear that like his nimbleness and his moves were mm. you know what what got him i don't want to just say like it was only one or two things that got him through it but he he wasn't you know the common western idea of the big action hero yeah and it was interesting just and seeing that and we even see him fight those type of body shapes uh, you know like, yeah like that, that bolo guy in the film yeah 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 100 percent. and also i think there's an element too of uh you know we're looking at uh, you know in part asian cinema you know we're looking at yeah. a, a well-known uh fighter and actor and overall star from you know this area and there's this you know certain idea of what these people like uh like these kind of movie stars look like act like uh you know presence of them and it's just interesting when you actually look like when you actually go and watch the films how much of that is actually real and how much isn't mm. Because it's like it's very amusing. Because I always think of Jackie Chan movies, right? Where it's just like, oh, Jackie Chan, he went to the West and he did all his little comedy films. And then there's this like thing where it's like, oh, but you know, Jackie Chan's like one of the best movie fighters of all time, and he's like excellent. And he's like, oh yeah, 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 of course. And he's badass, right? And then you watch a lot of his films, and they're like basically Buster Keaton, like yeah. slapstick, <laughs> over the top comedy action films where it's like just impressive the scale of how much they involve the physical sets and their fights as well as their choreography and moves. And the stunts that he does, which are all real. Because I yeah. grew up thinking that Jackie Chan came to America to do comedies as like a thing. Mm. But I didn't realize when I was younger that that his films back in, you know, back in his earlier career were also funny and that he's a, he's he's a funny overall he's always been I kind was, of a funny guy i thought he was like a bruce lee where it's like serious and like badass and it was kind of like every now and then he may have a humorous moment like bruce does here of like bruce's growing relationship with the snake is amusing <laughs> but overall i wouldn't say bruce lee is funny like I, yeah, he's I amusing s- he has his moments but like jackie chan i i thought he was similar but then i've seen his movies and they're like no no they're just really funny like high octane action slapsticks uh, in many regards i had similar ideas but <laughs> to be honest i think the first time i heard jackie chan's name was when i was a kid and i watched dragon ball and roshi called himself jackie chun at one point mm-hmm. and then i heard of the adventures of jackie chan i'm like oh it's based on that dragon ball guy <laughs> and then i found out oh it's a real guy yeah <laughs> he was in shanghai nights mm. sequel to shanghai noon with Owen Wilson. And you know what else he was in? Oh, come on. Enter the Dragon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I did try to keep an eye out for him, but then there came a point where I stopped trying I, to because I, he, I, I just wanted to enjoy the film. Yeah, I knew that there was that trivia point of like, oh, he was actually a minor extra in this film. And I kind of gave up on the idea of, you know, walking in looking for him because I didn't think I'd do it. So after the, the film was over, I looked at like the YouTube video of his scene. Yeah, it's it's in the cave yeah, shortly after the thing. I read that he was thing. in the cave and all. Yeah, of he that. like he like runs in from the side to bear hug Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee like knocks him off. He's like grappling him and beating off some people, to, beating mm-hmm. off, beating up some people at the same time. Then he throws him, and that's the one shot. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it yeah. was a slow motion upload of the video, so you get a look at him, and he he's a bit too young for me to recognize that that's him. But you can see a little. Facial features, like, okay, maybe that is Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's always had a little baby face, so Mm. imagine him even younger. (laughs) It's like pre-born, so there you go. Uh, Yeah, the music was excellent. The 70s, just bassy, you know, I loved every moment of that. (laughs) You had a good laugh, and uh, you're having all this crazy action happening. It's like, oh, man, how's he going to get out of this? And... He's tricking him here and doing all this, and then hard cut over to Braithwaite in bed with a hot, like a, a woman walking over with his stuff, and he's like, Oh, what's going on here? I know, I did. I found out about this half an hour ago. Get him out of bed. I had a good chuckle then, how I think we I diverted too, yeah. away from <laughs> everything that we were like liking and here for, and like the fists against the face to an old man reading in bed yeah, oh, oh, I, kind of, yeah I, I kind of forgot that he came to the island to be honest yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. oh you're here too braithwaite 
And he's like, oh, dear Lord. We're going to help him. Yeah. Well, earlier on, he really wanted Bruce Lee to have some... Oh, Mr. Lee is his character's name. Sorry. Thank uh, you. He wanted Mr. Lee to have some alcohol with him. Like, you sure you don't want any? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, he was fun. I mm. enjoyed him. He was a fun mm. little character, like two or three scene wonder. Yeah. And him, you know, coming in, being this, like, you know, kind of mysterious agent, give you some MI6 vibes, and you kind of get, like, the spy genre stuff mm-hmm. for the... The night scenes where Bruce Lee's sneaking around, which were also fun. You know this. I've been playing Metal Gear Solid series recently, yep. and I and just the started. <laughs> I just started Metal Gear Solid Three, where instead your guy's a British man who's like, "Hello there, go go play me," and and it was just amusing mm. to see this. I'm like, "Hey, this this is basically what's happening in my Metal Gear game." You're playing right the now. '60s spy Metal Gear game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, while well, I watch the '60s spy thing. Come early through. '70s, but close enough. Oh yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. sorry, early '70s. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you know what? You, you, we can we afford to allow to get some things wrong. It's from 2005. Who cares? <laughs> I think 2006. I think actually. Let's call it quits and call it 1999. That's when the year end. That's when the world ended because Y2K. Don't you remember? At Len- the, Len- at, well, to be Len- fair, the- Leonard Nimoy tried to warn us about it. I kind of don't because at the time I was still trying to master the, the English art, language, the art of the English language. Yeah. And have you? Y2K was too hard for me to understand at the time. Did you master it? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's just how girls speak nowadays, Fartek. Uh, yes, queen, I did. Slay? Slay queen. Ah, uh, this is what people want to hear in the end of the Dragon discussion. You saying slay queen, yes, and all of that. TikTok. Just, <laughs> just TikTok. Not even the app, just the noise a clock makes. TikTok. Gwen, Gwen Stefani song, TikTok. Is it Gwen Stefani? TikTok. I'm going to be in... I was going to say I'm going to be embarrassed if I'm wrong, but I don't think I actually am going to be Which one was Kesha? Kesha had a song that was famous. And it was about her getting out of bed and getting drunk, probably. That's relatable. It is, isn't it? That's kind of what this movie is really about. It's about it's about getting up, <laughs> going out at night, getting framed. Because you did that one action, people think that you did all these other things, and then they beat you the fuck up in front of all these women. And then and then you get hung up over some evil water. And then your friend gets to see you get dropped into the evil water. Are we talking about Kesha or Enter the Dragon? <laughs> well, well, I mean, this happened to Kesha. We all heard this story. Uh, the dangerous Kesha, water. Kesha, that, that was her story with her evil producer that she's been in legal battles with all these years. That's, the, that's where, yeah. This movie Did she have a Braithwaite? Well, yeah, probably Russell Brand, I'm sure, was around. <laughs> He's the modern Braithwaite. <laughs> Russell Brand. Star of St. Trinian's. Star of St. Trinian's and the remake of Arthur. That's true. That's true. That's true. But uh, back to the real story at hand here. Kesha. Opium. Opium. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I had a good chuckle at, um, I don't know if I found this a satisfying thing, but there's this moment where he's, the bad guy's touring uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Roper around, and uh, Roper's like, oh, hello there to these women, and they one of them flips him over, and there's like, these are my daughters. <laughs> Nobody protects daddy better than daughters. And I'm like, did they ever come back? I don't think so, because... Th- they make a big deal. It's like these daughters are the most elite fighters on the island, and then and then it's like were there any, that was it. Were there any action scenes on the island that involved the women? Well, we know that the madam got killed in one of the fights. Yeah. Uh, well, other than his sister, that's what I mean. Island, on, on the island, um, yeah. It's not really coming to my mind, unless you want to count that one nurse beating up that opium addict as an action scene. That one, <laughs> that one second shot where that one woman who was like banging on the glass saying, save me, save me, help me, help me. Mm. And then the nurse came in and was like, shut up. And so yeah, no, I'll count that as girl on girl. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you guys say that. It makes me think of Hot Fuzz every time when I hear girl on girl, where at the end of Hot Fuzz, um, uh, Olivia Coleman's character, she grabs like the, the wet floor sign and smacks, uh, 
that um that, uh, that woman in the face the one who's like running down the aisle and she smacks her in the face and like she flips over and it's like all serious and then olivia coleman's like nothing wrong with a bit of girl on girl it's just like thank i you. think i remember thank that. you olivia <laughs> coleman oscar-winning actress olivia coleman i love that's so amusing but uh um the actress who she hit was also in i want to say saint trinian's as well oh really lucy punch uh she was in some movie we did where she was playing um what's that game they play badminton badminton or I was, right just to let everyone know ryan did a motion so. no what's that game that they play where they have the big stick lacrosse lacrosse i think i think there's another name for it but I, lacrosse yeah. i think it's lacrosse but uh she's an actress lucy punch who's I think it's Lucy Punch. She's famous for playing this evil, uh, ugly stepsisters in Cinderella in like four different movies. Oh, wow. <laughs> because when she was a little girl, she had a Cinderella party every year where she demanded to play the ugly step, like dress up as the ugly step. She's, and her mum apparently phoned her after seeing one of her movies and said, darling, not again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of, that's, and that's the lady in the film who was like, save me, save me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. I didn't expect to learn much about that character uh, that 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 entity that was in the film that entity no 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 they were just a pawn <laughs> in this chess game but no they were actually a living person yeah. i would love it if it was the same actress actually because this one is blonde <laughs> too but um no 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 to get back into the real meat of the movie here which is there was a snake in the film mm. it's like he diverting to the weirdest aspects of the film i mean it was a memorable i, I like that he had a little bag to put the snake in like and he <laughs> forgot and then he remembered that he had a snake in his bag and he's like hey i could use this yeah and similar then, to the road warrior used it to get around an issue it was really funny to me i noticed i was like oh he's sitting near the door and the door is like like pretty high off the ground so i was like oh well he's gonna just slip the snake through under the door but no he opens the door and throws it in (laughs) closes it and the bad guys in there don't even think to look who was at the door see in metal gear solid 3 they would notice the door opening they would yeah Uh, unless you were very gentle yeah yeah and you better not eat nearby because if you eat you make a, a like a mm, that was lovely and then they're like who was that who was that no, they'll really hear your annoying. stomach no you should eat because they'll hear your stomach grumbling oh <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm always eating rats and they're like who's that <laughs> but they don't know that i'm under the building that they're on so they're just running around going who where is he where is this guy what fools what fools? <laughs> you should blow up their their ration station Would this movie have been better if bruce lee just meowed and that's what brought in <laughs> all of the goons there was a cat in the film you'd think that we could get a meow <laughs> just to summon the cat maybe what was your favorite actions like what was your favorite fight like in terms of one again one v one because it's easy to say the best action is the cave stuff i mean that's, yeah that's, that's where the movie fires off on all that's sorts. very true um I'll tell you that the the final guy, the big boss, that wasn't my favorite fight. I, I like I like it on a visual level of terms of the mirrors. Well, that one was more of a set piece one. It's, yeah. a, it's like literal set piece. Like like here's the set and look at this go. While I I preferred his fight against um uh, uh the the guy with the scar on his face. Uh, I was, O'Hara? Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. thought that was a fun fight. That was yeah, a lot Just of the ones his ass. a lot of the ones before the final fight were pretty good. Yeah. Mm. Even the opening one where we were talking about the close ups. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, there there really wasn't any like boring or bad fight, but no. yeah, you're right, the the a lot of the cave stuff does spring to mind because it's you know, it's it's the nameless mooks that you're fighting, mm. so it's, it's a memorable set. It's memorable, and you get a lot of variety of like, oh, I'll take them out with this one move, and then I got a stick. <laughs> yeah, the like Kali sticks or whatever. Yeah, but then when he had the first, the first one was like just that big rod that he had, mm. and then he threw that away and exchanged it for new weapons. <laughs> That's another <laughs> thing I love in these movies when they upgrade their weapons. It's it's very. We were also talking about beat 'em up games uh, before we started recording, and that's also a convention of them where it's like, oh, you, there's weapons littered all around mm. the levels, so pick them up, use them for a while, then get the new ones. Yeah, get them. <laughs> he went from snake in a bag to like his fists to a big stick to those little sticks, and 
on to eventually he got a spear at one point and uh that was when he was fighting the big boss and that's what kills the big boss yeah that's right yeah oh yeah the spears in the mirror yeah 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 he got that at one point uh just uh, just all these different little little things he just grabbed onto and just used to his benefits but he didn't keep them with him throughout the movie he just kind of threw them away he's like i need a new one because that's beaten up enough people for today uh, I think in, um, I was going to suddenly bring something up and that was going to be like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to bring that up. But, uh, there was an episode of fat pizza. <laughs> 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 I guess it still happened, didn't it? Uh, man, no, no, that's related to saved by the bell, Grand Theft Auto. And Euro Trip. Euro Trip. And, um, oh, what's that? fucking band you used to bring up all the s club seven s club seven let's bring them up <laughs> go on go on um what did i bring up again? fat pizza <laughs> if i said screech you would have found a way to connect it <laughs> right there was that episode where screech fought bruce willis not yeah. bruce, bruce lee <laughs> bruce lee jesus one of my favorite episodes of fat pizza is one where it's paulie's dad's backstory and how he went to like in almost Forrest Gump way, he was like in all these significant places mm-hmm. in history. And I think there was one point where he went to some gathering that Bruce Lee was at. I think it was basically the area that like the film began where like people were all around and he like fought Bruce Lee. It was like, he put up a good fight against Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. I think they were like evenly matched. So, <laughs> so seeing the fight at the beginning of this, it's like, oh, if we were here, like, you know, a few minutes later, Paulie's dad would show up and have a fight <laughs> with Bruce Lee. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned the nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I love nunchucks in general. I think they're fun. I have a couple in this room, in fact. Mm-hmm. Is that legal in this country? Uh, it may be. Sure. Okay. Well, yes. Editing note. You might have to delete this part. <laughs> no, I'm going to amplify it and uh, say that I also have bockins. But uh, I, I think those are legal too. They better be. I mean, they're, Bokkins are fine. They're not real swords. So. Yeah, hear that, everybody? Bartek said it. They're not real swords. Sword swords are real swords. Uh, it's Japanese for Japanese sword. Is that what Bokken means? I wish. Japanese for wooden but, stick. But I love nunchucks. <laughs> I loved when he grabbed them and he, you know, did the whole demonstrating with them and you just know. God, that was fluid. Hap- it was just happening right in front of your fucking eyes. Like I've it's seen, so... I've seen so many parodies of like that one shot in so many things and like the, the, the gopher, like gopher chucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just seeing the, the real thing there and just like. God, that it's so fast and yeah, wh- it's almost like he's a ghost and it's going through him. Yeah, one of my favorite parodies of that or like homages to that in a comedic sense is there's this movie, it's like an Italian comedy film, and uh, this guy is doing that, like this wimpy guy is doing that, and the nunchucks get stuck around his neck and he starts to like start choking and the and the like comedy hero guy is just standing there and he's like oh my god and he runs over like are you okay you could have really hurt yourself with these he's like helping him untangle them and they like (laughs) pat each other on the back and like oh thank god that could have gone really sour and then they realize they have to keep fighting each other because it's the dynamic of you know film where it's like oh well that's right i'm hero and you're goon and they start fighting again (laughs) i just love that type of thing but what was this again Oh, this is Italian comedy. I have to remember the name of it, like the English name. It's one of those ones where like the English name is like right, right, okay. weird. Well, I know what you're not picking for next week. Ah, uh, no, no, God, God, unless I'm lying. <laughs> unless you do remember it, in which unless case I know what you're picking for next week. It's a mad, 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 mad. Well, no, it's a mad, 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 mad Max. Mad, mad Max. Uh, but I thought uh the nighttime scenes were shot magnificently as well. The sense of geography of this island was really laid out. I felt bad that Williams died. I liked him. He, he was, was a good character. Like I said, he really grasped my attention whenever he was on screen because he just had that look. That you... Is it because he fucked multiple women at the same time? Well, I mean, I was looking at him before that, but you know, when he was doing his selection scene, like, I want you, 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 and you. It's like a oh, very, very thinking man's kind uh, I thought of that was you saying... Like, I want you, 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 and you to just Williams standing by himself <laughs> in, the, in the room. I want your hair. And your sideburns. And your muscles. And, and, and your sense of fashion. No, I won't say that. Go on. You coward. 
UK. <laughs> Should I say it? It's then? offensive, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's going to be offensive. Bartek is like, you know, it's you know, it's bad when Bartek flinches at his own comment he's going to make because he's he's very Bartek. Well, to, Bartek, we know he just I still cough. Makes I just remarks. I haven't worked out yet if jig was meant to be a racial slur or not. I I think it is, man. Okay, then. it was white cops saying it, and it was worthy of their car. They said being it. They stolen, said it twice. Yeah, and it was worthy of their car being stolen. Mm. So yeah, they got beaten up and. And their car was still stolen, so it must have been pretty bad. Do you think the car found its way home? Uh, if, if this if this had like a Pixar film <laughs> sequel, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> really serious stuff happening on that island, but back on the mainland, we have a Pixar film happening. Oh, when you say serious stuff, you mean a guy with a claw for a hand running around slashing people? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the drug trafficking, sex trafficking stuff, that was more what I was I mean, thinking, that was serious. But, they just yeah. dumped them in the water and let them go the- when they were dead. Was it the dangerous water, though? Well, it was dangerous because it made their body go limp. Well, there you go. <laughs> Every water is somewhat dangerous. You know, I, earlier I said that the ocean is dangerous water, and now I'm talking about Pixar, Finding Nemo, so really, I don't know, maybe there's just no consistency with what I'm saying this was episode. It, was, well, let me make it better. There was an unappreciated masterpiece that took place under the sea. And there was mafia there. Jewish-Italian, we don't know, but there was a mafia in that film. Martin Scorsese was there. <laughs> He P- was in Peter Falk was there. <laughs> Jack Black <laughs> was there. For some reason, Tracy Grimshaw was there in my copy. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about the cinematic, the cinematic beauty that is Shark Tale. Yep. <laughs> starring Angelina Jolie as a sexy fish. And Will Smith, whose career has really taken off. Wow. That was an Oscar-nominated film. Was it? Well, it was an animated film from that time. It must have been So it must have been Oscar nominated. I'm putting it down. Must have been. And Will was just gearing up for an Oscar win for that. He didn't get it. And he said, I'm going to be really angry about this. Mm. And the PS2 game had a stealth section, not unlike this film, Enter the Dragon. Oh, they're going to say like Metal Gear. (laughs) I haven't heard of Metal Gear. Oh, well, it's about a fish. (laughs) <laughs> that gets eaten by a guy that, going through the jungle. That well, it's about a it's about a fish that wants to open up, uh, wants to move away from his car wash job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it if if we sat down a kid and said, okay, the, the plot of this movie Shark Tale, and just describe Metal Gear to them. Did you read the YouTube comments for um, our Harley Davidson episode? I heard a lot of back and forth. I saw there was a lot of messages being flung around. Yeah, apparently I somehow convinced him to watch our Shark Tale episode. Right. Well, everybody should check out our Shark Tale episode. It's a masterpiece. But um, that, that might inadvertently get him to watch Shark Tale as well. So I unintentionally everybody convinced should someone to watch Shark Tale. What a, what a power you hold. <laughs> uh, Enter the Dragon. I can't think of too much else to say. It is very efficient at what it does. It's just a lean, mean fighting machine like the lead actor. I, you know, it is uh, personally my favorite Bruce Lee film I've watched, and I think it is often acclaimed as the quintessential one, like the best one. It's definitely the one that, like, the West apparently like spawned the craze of these kind of martial arts films in the West. Do you want to discuss the Bruce Lee? exploitation genre some more because you've only kind of briefly touched on it in this episode and the last one uh yeah from what little i remember about it um basically when we talk about exploitation films uh they refer to films that you know exploit or focus on a specific thing that they want to get out there so you might consider porn films sexploitation films because you're mm. exploiting sex and getting people to watch these films for the sex mm. you mentioned black exploitation films you know mm. you know the black characters in the 70s were over the top very stereotypical mm. and awesome to watch uh, there is a subgenre, well, there's a million subgenres, but one of them is the Bruce exploitation films, where, you know, Bruce Lee films, as few as there were, apparently there were more than six, um, they were few, but they were very awesome. And, you know, how do you capitalize on a genre where an actor is, you know, kind of the center figure of it? You hire people that look like him and do things similar to him. So you yeah. have a bunch of Bruce exploitation films where the lead actors typically have names that are very similar to Bruce Lee. Yeah, Mr. Bruce Wee. Or, or <laughs> something like that, or or straight up lie and say it's Bruce Lee. Like one that I'm aware of, I haven't watched it yet, but I have a DVD copy of it called The Clones of Bruce Lee, <laughs> where the gimmick is that there are four 
Bruce Lee guys in that film, and they all have those fake names, like Bruce Lee, Bruce Lai, Bruce Lay, or something like that. Um, and there's, yeah, yeah, four Bruce Lees and running they around. they fight each other. I think at first they're, like, working See, their yeah. own separate parts of this one big case, but I think there might be a climactic fight in the end. I did read there was a, one of the movies, you know, on IMDb, and it's like, these other movies. And mm. I was like, oh, I don't know this one. And I pressed on it, and it was like fairly low rated it's like it's got bruce lee it's by this director and it's like i think it's a movie where he was making another film Mm. never got completed because you know he died unexpectedly and so these people did a bit of a pink panther deal and or ed wood deal where they have existing leftover footage of a dead person and they cobble it together and have a body stand in to fill in the bits and bobs is that game of death yes yeah. i think so because my understanding of the trivia that apparently i'm wrong about the thing where he only did six films mm. the thing about enter the dragon is it's the fourth one but it's also the last one that was completed yes yeah. Yes, and I was like, I looked up that one, and people were like, yeah, Bruce Lee's back is the lead star of this film, like you know, because <laughs> it's like, well, that's what they had. Mm. These are the bits that they can cobble together. It's like technically, I can't remember which Pink Panther it is. It was like technically, you know, uh, uh, Peter Sellers is in this Pink Panther because they cobbled together some scenes of him, and then but he was dead. Okay, uh, and then it's like, and now we follow his son. And was some bullshit like that. I actually haven't heard of this. Yeah, the, the the Pink Panther movies are odd. Like after he leaves and or has passed away, they they try to get away with like another guy playing Clouseau, and then like no, let's get his son, and then no, let's get his rel- another relative, and then no, let's get Steve Martin. Well, I'm, I'm gathering that Sellers exploitation never really took off then. <laughs> I mean, everybody has their version of a Sellers performance. Um, that's a fair point. You know what? The Sellers verse is pretty nuanced and deep. Even Jeffrey Rush got a crack at it when he played Peter Sellers in that biofilm. So there you go. Mm, there you go. Uh, but no, this was a fun one. I enjoyed myself. Uh, well, it's a great, uh, it's a crowd pleaser of a film. Yeah. And it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's brilliantly paced. For the sure. action is legendary it speaks for itself and if not every other film afterwards will make sure that it speaks for it it honestly feels like i uh made me think about how much of an uproar there was a few years back when it came to bruce lee because of quentin tarantino and i i didn't really pay heed to that because i was like well it's tarantino it's a movie it's not real i don't really care well i think it was the family of bruce lee that had a big problem with it and fans and fans, fans of yeah. Bruce. And but, but with the family thing, if anyone's going to have a legitimate problem with it, it's got to be the family but after, the estate of Bruce Lee. But after revisiting a Bruce Lee movie, I was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I can understand why fans of this actor and why family members of this actor were kind of pissed off mm. at that portray, at that kind of representation of him in the movie, even though I thought it was a funny scene. And I got what it was doing narratively in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's just it's just it's it's a move to make. Yeah, and I guess sure. I guess we just didn't really have much of a stake in it as the fans or the estate of Bruce Lee. So yeah, yeah, it seems like behind the scenes, like in this movie, you know, if people challenged him to a fight, he'll take it to prove that he's a good fighter because people would say like he's a phony or whatever. I think there was another trivia point that said like Bruce Lee was goading them. Like, I'll give you guys. I'll give anyone who can stop one of my blows a hundred bucks since like he didn't lose any money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I, I also enjoyed this film and I do recommend it uh, in terms of- You recommended it. so they, Yeah. yeah I, well, I mean, I hadn't seen it before, so I had to determine if I recommend it. Um, in terms of ranking it with the other ones, uh, I don't remember Fists of Fury as well since it's been, it's been literally 10 years since mm-hmm. we watched it. Um, but I-, I I think I gravitate a bit more towards the big boss and there were some elements of mm-hmm. Way of the Dragon that, you know, a bit more outright comedic, so that kind of tickled my sensibility. I think I would at least put it below the big boss. I really enjoyed that film. Mm. But still, this is quintessential martial arts film, evidently. It it, mm. it has all these great elements of the 70s uh, aesthetic. Um, there were some elements of what Bruce Lee wanted with, like, the Chinese beauty coming along, like, especially that yeah. party scene where they first get to the island and you have, like, the that dragon thing 
You yeah, know, yeah. Right, walking through the party, it's like, oh, that thing's interesting. Um, yeah, I can definitely see why America considers this. I, I forget what those three adjectives are, but like culturally significant. Like yeah, it, it's yeah. in that it's like it's a touchstone event. Yeah, yeah one of those uh, aesthetically. I forget the adjectives, but it's considered very significant part of cinematic history. It's a seminal film. Seminal. Uh, that word, I've heard it before. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that correct? Definitely. Yeah, I recommend this, obviously. It's, it's a crowd pleaser. You can watch it on your own or with a group of people, and you'll have a good time. It is something that I will want to watch again a few years down the road. It puts It puts the art in martial arts. Yeah, it really does. And so there we go. I I, I think uh, it's time to find out what I'm recommending for Mm -hmm. the next episode. Yeah. I have a few things going back and forth. I wanted to be somebody who recommended a new film that I haven't seen before. We've been having some fun with that. But after watching this, this was like really influenced what I wanted to watch Mm -hmm. next. Sure. Which is, I want to watch a western because mm-hmm. um, there's just some vibe. Well, about we did these we did one last week, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know what we haven't mentioned enough in this discussion? Mm-hmm. We already watched a Bruce Lee movie before. They call me Bruce. They call me Bruce <laughs> with the Polish kung fu guys. <laughs> And, I, I cannot. I cannot remember. Did he do martial arts in that film? I don't remember. I'm sure our good friend Chris can tell us all about it because he's an expert. Yeah, Chris, on that. who by the way is the one that gave me a copy of Clones of Bruce Lee. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And you've cherished it ever since. I've cherished it. I haven't watched it yet, but I have to. Um, but no, I was thinking it's time for a, a western because you're right. In a way, like we've been kind of dancing around it with Harley Davidson, the Marlboro man has that definite, like you have a cowboy in it, but not really. That was a complete joke. They were dancing around, but yeah, we, I no, don't, no, yeah. but now this, you know, there's certain films like, you know, you're, you're fighting films like this mm-hmm. that, you know, makes you want to watch films of other genres that kind of hover around the same area. Cause this sure, is very yeah. much a, you know, quiet movie. Like uh, the protagonist is, you know, very softly spoken, rarely speaks, and they just fucking get the job done because it's what they do. And so I want to watch They Call Me Trinity. I I really thought you were going to say They Call Me Bruce. (laughs) They Call Me Trinity, which is a spaghetti western. We'll be watching it with the English dub because, well, that's just how it exists. Um, Is that the these no guy who's the talking mm-hmm. the- okay. famous song uh, that we like a lot? We used it for our Soviet Western. Django Unchained ended with that song. Yeah, I remember I when I watched, I and I will talk about it next week again. But when I watched Django Unchained. He was using all of these songs from all of these spaghetti westerns I knew, as well as modern songs. And I was sitting there going, when's he going to use any from Trinity? And then he ends the movie on it. And I just I remember he was in the cinema going, finally. Wow. I was waiting for that to happen. Because, uh, you know, Tarantino's uh, predictable. No. Uh, so they call me Trinity. We'll be watching that English dub or whatever country you come from. Watch it in whatever dub you have, because it is a spaghetti western where they did the film it with no audio, dub them over with the these. Even if they right, could right. speak the language, they would just dub them over anyway. It didn't okay, matter. it's one of those ones, speedy with them, right. Yep, so we'll be giving that a look over. So thank you so much for listening to us talk about everything but this film. Nah, I'm <laughs> kidding. We talked about this film we and about Fat, Fat Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. We both were going to the Fat Pizza Zone. Next episode, watching the Fat Pizza movie. Oh. No, just kidding. The Contrarians are. Wouldn't that be a power move? <laughs> if we recommended to an American podcast to watch Fat Pizza, the movie. Well, I remember one of the last times we talked to them, <laughs> you you guys were talking about how they're on an Australian bender, and it didn't occur to me at the time, but afterwards I'm like, oh, we should have brought up Fat Pizza. <laughs> yeah, let's make them watch Houses versus Fat Pizza. Houses versus authority, houses versus fat pizza. Yeah, we should make them, you know what? At some point, we're going to convince an American podcast to watch the uh, Australian comedic franchise Fat Pizza. You know, we should actually get them to watch Fat Pizza because that's where Rebel Wilson started in the franchise. Is she in the film? 
Yeah, that's the first time she appeared. She wasn't even in love with Habib at that point. Oh, I forgot that's where she came from. I thought she was in the show already. I, I can't remember. No, because no, in the movie, like she was into Paulie, and that's oh. not in the show. That's she's with Habib. Ah, uh, well, yeah, they, the, the lore from the movie didn't always carry over to the show, mm. except for Sleek Fate kind of did. But, well, that's but where that's, it, yeah. Well, that's where it ends, right? He comes back though, doesn't he? He comes back in the revival. Oh, okay. no, no, in Fat Pizza vs. Houses, he comes back. Oh, there you go. So, so, so uh, you know what? I've changed my recommendation. <laughs> Next week, we're doing Fat Pizza the movie with the Contrarians. <laughs> Have I organized it with them? No. But you better be prepared. No, no. It's Call Me Trinity. So, they call me Trinity. So, that is it. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter under Spit and Polish Presents. We post on there. We interact with uh, all of the folks. So come on over, support us, follow us. You can rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you use to do so. We have an email, which is Bartek. It's not Bartek. It's spitandpolished at gmail.com. So you can drop us a line, give us a recommendation for films, and we'll put them on the list. We need more on the list. We've got a few new recommendations, but it's always good to get some more from you. Not you, Bartek. I know I pointed at you, but I was pointing at the royal you. It's okay. The pop filter was in the way anyway. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And Bartek's blind as a bat. He can't see things from a certain distance. Whoa. Did you just call me a bat? Oh, God. Should I call you a jig or something? (laughs) (laughs) My original line was, well, I don't want to be a jig. There you go. So it would have been appropriate if I didn't cow it out. Um, how do we end this? Do I ask you if you think Bruce Lee was sexy? On a scale of one to ten, how hot? Uh, I, I honestly can't say it really crossed my mind. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, he was taking his shirt off and flexing, and I I was like, gee whiz. But Williams was in the film, and so was Wraithwalt, or whatever his name was. (laughs) Braithwaite. (laughs) Braithwaite. Wow, you're not even turned on by Bruce. You were too busy looking at Williams. The Westerners. Wow. The Westerners. (laughs) They're both Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. You got it. Thank you. It's just the way you said it. <laughs> well, look, Ryan, if you think about geographically, we're Australians. We're actually Eastern. Yeah. Melbourne. And we're on the eastern suburbs of the city we live in and yeah. on the side of well, technically, Australia. Technically, I'm in the southeastern. What, 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 what words in that? It's eastern. There you go. Nailed him. Got him in the grave. <sighs> And Bartek's address is 123 Fake Street. That's a Simpsons reference. <laughs>